Welcome back to Better Podcasting Chats with me, I'm SP, and this is a streamed and recorded casual chat or conversation with hobby and passion podcasters that want to share their experience, knowledge, and joy of podcasting. Now, once the live stream is over, I'll take these recorded files and I'll turn it into a podcast as requested by the Better Podcasting community. Now, this past week, I continued using the Rodecaster Pro 2. But just in case something happens, I reinstalled two DBX-286Ss I had in my old audio setup. They aren't powered on, they aren't connected to anything, and they aren't even plugged in. They're simply mounted underneath my left monitor riser on my desktop. And if you followed me on Better Podcasting for any length of time, you know I always want to back up to keeping the DBX-286Ss where I can quickly get to them is enough of a safety valve for me right now. And speaking of the Roadcaster Pro 2, I've been experimenting with it and learning more about it every day. Now, with the help of Bandrew over at Podcastage Discord, we found the master compeller settings, and I started to experiment a little bit with it. I have nothing significant to report for now, but these might be settings I can use to boost the overall recording and broadcast levels that I was experiencing low levels in the first few days of operating the Roadcaster Pro 2 which will be a major relief for me not to add too much gain in post-production. Still adding gain, but at least not all in post-production. Additionally, I've been experimenting with the USB-C to lightning connectors using some tips from Randy Walker over in the Better Podcasting Discord, which you can find at betterpodcasting.com slash discord. As it turns out, only the official SC15 and I believe SC19 cables from Rode will work. Now I did try several USB to USB-C to lightning connectors from a few brands only for them not to work. This is an example I'm holding up right now in my hand of an anchor one. It's still in the box, but it's a USB-C to a lightning connector. And then I even tried the Anker or Anker the 519 cord, which is an accessory cable, a lightning accessory cable. And that did not work either. And then I finally got the Rode SC19 cable in from Rode and it used it and it started to work with my iOS devices. So that's really cool. Now, Randy over on the Discord did some digging and in PC Pro Magazine issue 329 from March 2022 on page 111, it states this, quote, I've just come across a cabling oddity. My hatred for all things USB is almost visceral, as I have discussed many times before. But one of the beauties of the Apple's Lightning cable solution is that it just works right up to the point where it doesn't. I wanted to plug a device in that has a USB-C port and is supported on the iPhone. I have an official Apple Lightning to USB-C cable and plugged it in both ends, so I expected it to work. It didn't. I tried an identical looking cable that came with the product and it worked fine. Turns out that Apple has recently implemented the Lightning Accessory Cable Platform. In the past, you had to use the Apple Camera Connection Kit to get to a standard USB socket and then out to your third party device. Now, this functionality can be incorporated into the cable itself from Lightning to USB C with a tiny embedded chip that provides this handshaking. So now we have cables that work and cables that don't. And you can't tell them apart from the outside. I think that deserves a slow 
hand clap, and a hard stare. Unquote. Now, unfortunately, this means that not only does the Rogecaster Pro 2 require their special USB-C to lightning cable, but other devices intended to work today, say like a USB microphone into an iOS device, might require a specific cable as well in the future. This also means that Rode has provided cables in three foot lengths only or 1.5 meters only. Plus, you need to pay the higher price of $29 versus $19 for like the Anchor for, uh, 514 cable or even cheaper like the $10 generic USB-C to lightning cable I also tried. Nice. We'll see how many more devices this lightning accessory platform will affect us podcasters in the future. Additionally, I have implemented my Logitech Brio 4K camera. So you've been seeing me on this podcast, if you're watching on the YouTube side of things, through that lens. Now it's being nectared down to 720p because it's a free StreamYard account that I'm broadcasting through. But hopefully you'll be able to see a difference. Definitely a wider field of view goes up to 90 degrees field of view. You can neck down to 78 degrees or 65 degrees, but that also comes up closer. So you have to have the camera farther away. I'll be experimenting with different places to put the camera in the future. But for right now, it's still on top of that big 34 inch monitor looking down on top of me. So you get to see a lot of the room right now. So if you want to check it out, see how I look. Go over to the YouTube side of things at youtube.com slash betterpodcasting, and you will see me over there. Now, moving on with the rest of the show, I'm interested in what you have to say about your podcasting experience, and quite frankly, so is the rest of the Better Podcasting audience. So if you want to schedule a time to chat with me about your podcasting experience and your podcast on this show, please send me an email, stargatepioneer at gunnageek.com, or you can DM me on Twitter or on our Discord server, and we'll arrange a time to have you on. Do you disagree with something I said about hobby or passion podcasting? Do you have something you want to tell other hobby podcasters? This is now your chance to join me for a chat on whatever those podcasting subjects may be, and I would genuinely love to have you on. This week, I'm joined by a passion podcaster who I might have known the longest outside of my original communities of Galactic Water Cooler and Gonna Geek. He has been a podcaster since at least 2013 on numerous shows based on the Transmissions Podcast Network, including Yakko Yaks and Paladins of Voltron. He's used his podcast to increase his confidence and improve his public speaking skills and he was on the 2021 Season 3 of America's Next Top Podcaster. He's been on several convention panels, his face has been on the cover of a comic book, and his podcast Transmissions is quickly approaching 500 episodes. But perhaps most important to me is he made his wife sacrifice her ticket to the main Star Wars Celebration event in Chicago on April of 2019, so that I could sit next to him and experience the lead up to the final Skywalker Star Wars movie in person. And I am eternally grateful to both him and his wife. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Thanks. And I'd say right up front, I did not make my wife give that up. She was not going to make it in time and she offered it up. 
So you went to some slum on the street, literally, and you said, hey, do you want in on this? And it happened to be me. And I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, that was fun. It was was fun indeed. So full disclosure, we have met in person. We have seen each other. We had a great time. It was before the pandemic. We hugged, we kissed, we sat next to each other, held each other's hand, everything like that. No, not really. But we have met each other in person and it was a great time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Celebration was just such a great experience all around. It was. It was. Um, I've been to San Diego Comic Con before, and I know you've done conventions before, but that was definitely a focused fandom. The, probably the biggest singular convention with a focused fandom that I've been at. Right. Yeah. Definitely. And neither of us have a Star Wars podcast. No. So we were literally there as fans. And talking about being a fan. You originally took an online community that you threw together way back in the early 2000s. I believe it was 2000 or 2001. And you created a podcast from that. Not exactly. I created a, an online fandom around Transformers around that time, around 2000. And the community I started in 2000 or so, it was really more about file sharing. I mean, there was chatting. We developed. A lot of good friendships. I'm still talk with a bunch of them weekly, but it was pre podcasting. And around the time the podcast came around, I that had kind of died out a little bit. And I I wanted to talk about Transformers. I was listening to there's a bunch of podcasts around Transformers. A lot of them had died out since then, but I was listening to a bunch and I just wanted to talk about Transformers. So I put out a call on Reddit and a couple of people answered. And then I also reached out to a guy that was local to me and had been on another podcast as a guest. And the four of us clicked and the Transmissions podcast was born. And that was August 2013. So nine years ago next month. And then from there with our listeners, we've, got a discord going now we have a a really good community surrounding that so it's just kind of from one community to another just all still around transformers who came up with the name transmissions it was the name of the letter column in the 80s transformers comic and we all kind of thought that was a great name but then we found out that this guy named ben yi that has a long time transformers he's had websites a website about Transformers. He had done a podcast years ago with that name. So we didn't want to step on any toes. And I reached out and asked him because his show had podfaded by then. I was like, do you mind if we use this name? And he graciously said we could. And we just took the ball and ran with it. Yeah. And nowadays you can find 20 shows with the same name. But yeah. if somebody wants to lay claim with it, legalities are a little bit more. Yeah. We're not the only podcast named Transmissions, but we're the only Transformers one. And you have the website, too. Yeah, I have TransmissionsPodcast.com. I also have TransmissionsPodcastSucks.com, just in case. (laughs) (laughs) That was like an early on joke, and I just keep renewing it. Now, is Transmissions your first show? Yes. Yeah, it was the first podcast I had done. And how did you guys learn how to podcast? Uh, Mainly... I've been listening to podcasts since before RSS. Like I would listen to like CNET radio and stuff like that back in the day. So I was 
I, I handled the website and the nuts and bolts of RSS feeds and getting all that stuff going. And we had a lot of the early problems with like headsets and, you know, the whole robotic voice thing after so long. And we were all just like making mistakes and learning as we went. And then shows like yours, you know, ask the podcast coach, all of that stuff helped as I, as you know, we all kind of grew. And then I keep buying equipment and everyone else is on like, I think Q2U mics and Which are still good. Yeah. Yeah. They're good. Um, uh, Thankfully, like my co-host Charles has like the best voice for any audio, anything. So he's kind of our lead voice. But I just, I'm a tech head, so I, I always have to buy stuff. That's why I'm I'm on this RE320 and yeah. So on your Yako Yaks podcast, you did a gear and review gear episode in at the end of 2020, I believe. Yeah, I haven't done podcast on that feed in a while but yeah and you talked about getting your microphone for 38 dollars yeah this re320 nice 38 dollar microphone amazon gift cards and amazon points oh and all of that and i ended up getting what this is like what 400 dollar microphone roughly something like that at least in the 300 dollar range i think 299 it was going okay for a while that might have been it so I just had enough where I only had to pay $38. Okay. Helps with the wife acceptance factor. I think you dashed <laughs> a lot of hopes. Although I just did the same thing for Father's Day. I had a bunch and I had accumulated some gift cards to Amazon over the course of the last year. And I put them all into this new 34 inch monitor I have in front of me. Wow. What a game changer. I'm glad. Best investment I made in podcasting. And that's yeah. saying something because I made some good investments. Yeah, I'm lucky enough to work from home and I get to use all my work equipment. I think it's I think it's a 30-inch ultra wide that I have, but nice. The big monitors are great. Yeah, if with podcasting and people are saying, "Well, why do you need a big monitor while you're podcasting?" Well, especially if you edit, you can see more tracks wide and if you go to a higher resolution, you can see more tracks top to bottom. So that alone has sped up my editing experience so much i was using two like 22 24 inch 1080 monitors for a while it's been amazing and also when i'm actively producing i can put more on the screen as well so i can right. see more of Streamyard. i can see more of the show notes i can see more of whatever i'm looking at as reference material also i will have to say that it acts as a great big huge radiator especially if you don't have things <laughs> in dark mode because right. it's just this constant white light that's coming at my face and it's almost washing me out. So I got to experiment, maybe turn the brightness down a little bit or something. Yeah. I'm sure in the winter though, it'll be nice. Yeah. But, right. Get your <laughs> vitamin D for the monitor. Right. Yeah. But I think what you talk about producing is really where I get the benefit when we record. I like to have audition visible and our chat and I can have everything that we're dealing with on the screen it's definitely i mean the ultra wide 2k or higher monitor is what i would recommend and there's other recommendations too like you want to be as close to 400 nits brightness as mm -hmm. possible these days which contributes to the white but you do trust me and you want a refresh rate that's i would say higher than 120 mines of 144 something like that it drives up the price but it it is 
a added benefit. And especially if you're doing video, you want the higher refresh rates. So I've got a question for you talking about video. You've got that great set behind you. It's all your transformer stuff and everything. That's quite the collection. It's probably a a third of my collection. I've got in the basement, like next to me, I've got like two big plastic bins full of others. So you have to select what comes out. Yeah. I mean, this is mostly it's all recent stuff, especially up here, like right above my head. That's some of the more recent stuff behind me here is the Lego Optimus Prime that just came out. That was my birthday Father's Day present. And that's a really fun build. And then I just I have just wherever else I try to keep the more expensive things higher. So the kid, <laughs> like he likes to come down, take them off and play with them. Have you explained to him that's his inheritance? <laughs> but yeah, kind of. But he. I mean, all of the more recent stuff, they're toys. I'll let them play with them. So you said your producer, who actually is the lead producer for your show? Are you it or do you guys share the responsibilities? We share the responsibilities. We've had one of our, we've had a listener a few years ago volunteer to come on and edit because he, he does like Adobe stuff for his day job. And his life has just gotten a little more complicated now. So he's had to step back from that, but he does come on as a guest host regularly. So the co-host Carl's and I kind of swap out. We do two shows a week. So he'll take one. I'll take one. And then our other co-host Daryl will handle the video segment. We do. It's a team effort. It's definitely one of the things that I've learned over the years is I wouldn't have been able to do what I did without a team effort. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, I mean there there were times like when one of us has to be out and we just kind of like when I came back I had to double up just to kind of give the other guys a break and we're all friends, we all make it work. I don't know, we're talking about adding video and that's going to add more complexity, so we'll see where that goes. Yeah, adding video is definitely a lot more complex. I'll give you an example just this past weekend. So we recorded Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. late because one of our co-hosts couldn't go on Thursday night when we regularly record. And I try to get the show out by Sunday night. And we record at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. I've already lost two days, basically, of editing because I start doing the files, start rendering the audio at least right when we stop recording on Thursday. That spills into Friday. I start looking at the bonus audio in the stuff that's in the front and at the end. Mm -hmm. And hopefully I get that all done on Friday. And then Saturday morning, I start hitting the raw cut of the actual show on Saturday morning. I don't know if I said Friday morning or Saturday morning there. So Saturday morning is when I start actually getting the editing in and we didn't even record until 11 o'clock. So I'm like, okay, how long is this going to take me? I did other things. I was cleaning. I was doing chores throughout the house and I took a couple of rest breaks, but I was going until I, from start, from when we recorded until we published the episode at seven o'clock Sunday night. So basically over a full day of editing and that's for the video show and for the audio show of two different passes because there's some things you can't take out in video so i make sure i take them out in the audio yeah 
that's how much more complex it gets is an hour or a day and a half versus maybe just a few hours with audio. Yeah. So I think I'm going to try to get the guys to do a couple of test shows where we do the show as normal, but we're recording the video just so we can have the files to, to edit just to see how much work we're going to have to put into it. That's a great thing. Just like starting out your podcast from the very beginning, you just yeah. record some audio, see where things go and record one of three shows, make sure you know what you're in for before you actually publish an episode. Yeah. We actually only did one, like we did one episode zero. And then the next time we recorded, that was the one we put out. Episode zero was <laughs> big back then in the early yeah. 2010s and mid 2010s. So yeah, it still is, I think just to make sure the feed is pumping, you get some sort of commercial out there or something like that trailer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our, our full recorded episode zero, no one else has heard. Eventually we'll pull it out, kind of clean it up a little bit, put it on your discord as a special, special tier. Yeah. Or Patreon. Cause you have a Patreon too, right? Right. Yeah. We call people that subscribe on there. We call them our donatrions. So that gives us the flexibility if we move to another platform, keep calling them the same thing. And we have some, we have a couple of people that have donated on PayPal for years. So how do you split that money? Because some of your hosts live in Canada. So how does that work? We basically just let it go into one pot and then we use it for things like if we need equipment or we just got back from a convention this last week and it covers a lot of our expenses for the commission for the convention. So it's not like we're paid from the show. We just, it goes into a big pot that goes for improving the show. Is the pot kept in U.S. dollars or Canadian dollars? U.S. Okay. We're not crazy. By the, <laughs> by, the way, <laughs> by the way, that trip was pretty cool. You got yourself a picture outside of an active Toys R Us. I know. Yeah, they, they still have Toys R Us's up there. It's crazy. We went in. It was just like they're supposed to be down here. And that was a great trip, though. We, after so long, just seeing everybody again in person, it was just, it was fun. It was a little intimidating or uncomfortable feeling for me the first time, just kind of being in a room with so many people. But by the end of the weekend, it was just back like it had been in the before times. I went to podcast movement in 2021 in Nashville. I wore a mask in yep. most settings and I was a bit surprised that not everybody, and this was back when like masking was still really big. And I was surprised at how many people just, you know, was ripping them off and whatever and made me feel uncomfortable from the aspect that I had vulnerable people back at home. So I yeah. didn't want to come home and get sick. As it turns out, I had terrible allergies when I came back home and I ended up wearing a mask. And it was the weekend my daughter was having her bridal shower. We had people coming from out of town and I wore a mask around them. I'm like, I'm not yeah. going to expose you guys to anything that might be it. I got tested. And this is back before you could get at home testing. So I went to a testing location that I actually had to pay like $100 for to get a rapid test and came back in like eight hours. And that was rapid back then. And it was negative. So everybody took the uh, mask off and I hugged like my mom was there. My sister, yeah. and I hugged them and whatever. 
hope I didn't get them sick. But anyway, those are my concerns from like a convention these days, but more and more people are going. And I was surprised there was a good number of people wearing masks. It was definitely not half, but it was a pretty good number, especially indoors. I felt pretty comfortable there, especially just also keeping your distance. I mean, I was paying attention to the PodFest convention that occurred, I want to say about a month, it was probably about two months ago, and just about everybody that came back that I knew of were like, I'm COVID positive. Yeah, that was my big fear, because my wife is just recovering from some medical stuff, and I did not want to bring anything back. Yeah. I'm glad you're okay, and so is she. Yeah. You've been podcasting for over a decade. No, uh, just nine years next month. Nine years. Okay, so close to a decade. Yeah. How have you improved your podcasting over that time? Outside of equipment. I mean, that's the easy thing, but just, I think, technique, just being more comfortable with the people I'm podcasting with. Like, my interview skills have increased. My confidence. I mean, I think how I come across in the recorded audio has really helped or really improved my first ones that I don't even go and listen anymore. I still have problems with the crutch words, but it was so much worse, but I think mainly it, it is just the confidence and just the comfortableness behind the microphone. And then on the editing side, I've just learned to let some things go we used to be really, really particular about getting every single bit, and it was taking us forever to edit episodes. And finally, I'm at the point where we're essentially trying to record live to tape anyway. I do some noise reduction, make sure that there are no major mistakes. I'll make notes as we record, but crutch words and minor hiccups. I feel like most people leave those in, so I've started leaving those in. As long as it's not too excessive. Right, yeah. I mean, if someone has a major issue, or like in a recent episode, one of my hosts was like looking for something. He started talking, and then he was looking for something or, or trying to like work something out. So I basically cut all of that part out and just he started talking, bringing it up, and then going into the topic full. I mean, you could take stuff out for any reason. For instance, right. going back to my last show on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., my co-host had just changed her, Michelle, she had just changed the location of her podcast studio desk. And the backdrop that she has with her also changed location. Well, her cat decided this was a great thing to play with and try to climb <laughs> during the show. So she's talking. She has no idea what's going on behind her. She's oblivious. I didn't know if she was just trying to power through it or she just didn't notice. Later, she came clean and said, I didn't notice. What happened? Can you show me the video so that I know what happened? And so it cut and I knew I was dead and couldn't proceed because I was laughing so hard. So I cut to our other co-host, Chris, and he was he just cut up laughing, too. And so we had a, a long thing and that ended up getting cut from the actual show because it was funny, but it did yeah. ruin the flow. Right. So right. I just cut the whole thing. So that's an example of cutting content as well. Probably good content. I did use it as a bonus audio scene afterwards. Yeah. Stuff like that's always great to save, but 
outside of the show content proper. And we've been pretty good about keeping the content of the show on topic and then just throwing in some of those little outtakes at the end. How often do you guys get together in person pre-pandemic? Usually at least once a year, sometimes twice. There's a major Transformers convention called TFCon that has like, they have a Toronto convention every year, which just happened. And then they have a U.S. convention that moves around. And this year it's in Chicago in October. And I usually go to that one because it's close. But we'll try to at least get to the, the Toronto one. But any chance we get, we do it. But it's not often. We have one co-host in Pittsburgh, one in Toronto, and then I'm in Madison, Wisconsin. And then we have some guest hosts that are also spread around all over the continent. Because you got together about once a year from 2014 through 2019, I'm guessing. Yeah. How important was that to solidify your podcast, your camaraderie, your rapport on the microphone? Do you think that increased everything by getting together in person? Yeah, I mean, it definitely helped. I mean, we, we kind of clicked personality-wise from the start, but just it helped our friendship and putting the actual person in the same room. It just you can't really quantify how important that is just to building the relationship and the flow getting to do recordings together in the same room was amazing and then we've we've done several panels and i just think it, it just helps build the friendship beyond the podcast it's been great you were talking before about your first podcast and not going wanting to go back and listen to it I don't want to go back and listen to my first podcast. I have a couple of times. I think I'm done with going back and revisiting yeah. that terror for me. So it was New Year's Eve 2010, and it was in the room with the other four hosts that were there. So there's five of us in the room. It was pretty crammed. It was just a small room, about the size of my room right here. But there were five of us and all the audio equipment, desks, big monitors, that sort of thing in there. And we were just repping off each other or before we were just in casual conversation before we started but when we sat down i'm like okay well how's this going to work because they're really energetic on the mic as soon as he hit record the producer hit record they turned on on mic personalities which was yeah. their personalities but they knew they had to bring it from the get-go on right. the microphone so i was like hit like a deer in the headlights of all this <laughs> energy and i was like uh yeah great to be here uh yeah this is fun and they'd throw stuff to me and i couldn't respond fast enough just because i didn't have that mindset to improv basically on the microphone that and quick. they had been recording together before it was episode 283 so yeah, right that's so they I mean. had that connection already yeah so if you want to go check it out i believe it's to episode 283 of galactic water cooler Ugh. i'll share you know what i'll share the link on the show notes to this episode if anybody really wants to go back and listen to it it was a fun show but i obviously wasn't wasn't on my a game for that so i could see how podcasting in person could help that but it's the behind the scenes stuff that helped too right i think yeah i mean it's just knowing that i can count on these guys when i'm out or we just we have the the connection now where 
you know, we, we know what we're doing. We know what everyone else is doing. We have the trust level. Even beyond doing the podcast, I know I can count on the guys to help out if I, if I needed it. And you trust everybody. You don't cut each other down. You're there to uplift we don't. each other. Well, no, we cut each other down all the time, but in a fun, loving way, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and the I I'm not trying to beat you down. I'm just trying to have fun at your expense. Right. Yeah. But I think what you were talking about with jumping in episode two ninety three. I mean, we we lost one of our hosts maybe a year and a half, two years ago. I think time in the last few years has been a fluctuating thing. But we just we had creative differences and went our separate ways. He has his, his own project and. That's been an adjustment going from four to three. And then we decided we needed the way our show worked. We needed that fourth seat and we brought on some people just kind of as a guest host for an episode, just kind of as a tryout. And we have, we have a handful now that are just rotating three weeks out of the month. We have four hosts and, that just so, it helps so much, but we have been cognizant of the fact that they're coming into a situation where we have all these years together, so we know each other's ticks and everything. And it's really worked well just kind of having the tryout show without any commitment and then bringing them on. And I think the group we have right now are really solid. They each bring different things. And one of the things we're looking for going forward is maybe having one more. We're trying to get a little more diversity into our cast because we're, I mean, we have some, but for the most part, we're all like over 40s male. And so like one of our guest hosts is is a a female and I don't know her age. I'm not going to ask her age, but I mean, she's younger than, than us, but She's been a great addition, but we, we want more, especially because Transformers has been going on since 84. So there's so much content now that doesn't really interest us as much, but say uh, someone that got into the fandom with the live action movies, we want to have that diversity of opinions as well. Someone that can call us on our, our hatred of the Michael Bay movies. Well, I think Bumblebee on its own, the movie Bumblebee probably brought more to the fandom than any other single on-screen Transformer property since 84. Yeah, Bumblebee was excellent. Yeah. So it's great that you're able to capitalize on it. I'm always constantly trying to search for more diversity on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well. Unfortunately, we lost Haley because of she had other commitments at the time. She was our youngest on the show, and I would love to find somebody's young. I did find people that are younger than me, but I'm older than dirt. So that's not very hard, but it is a problem. Also diversity in gender diversity in racial background. When we did our episodes on Shang-Chi and on um, everything else, we've tried to bring in people that can speak to that diversity, the cultural aspect. Yeah, because there's just some stuff that we just don't get uh, being whatever we are. And I, for one, love diversity of thought. And you get diversity of thought by bringing in diversity completely. And yeah, 
Uh, if I could capitalize on that more, I sure wish I, I would. By the way, if you're watching this and if you're a fan of Marvel and you feel like you'd be a great fit for Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we'll come have you on for an episode or two and try you out, just like Jeremy said. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's great. And it, even though we're like unsuccessful right now in trying to get some of those, we're, we're always cognizant of that fact. And we've had lots of feedback calling us out on things where we've made mistakes and and we're just we're always trying to keep that in mind and just be on the lookout for other viewpoints other opinions looking back to yourself in 2013 if there was one thing you could do to tell yourself to make it easier when you started what would that one thing be don't buy that blue yeti <laughs> <laughs> It was so big back then. Just it, get yourself a little Yeti. It was. And the problem is the room I was in at the time was just not set up for a mic that picked up everything. And if I had gone with a dynamic mic from the start, that would have saved so much of my struggles in trying to figure out the noise reduction and all that stuff. So there's two reasons I think the Blue Yeti was so prevalent back in the early 2010s. First of all, it was USB. So you didn't need any professional audio gear. You didn't need to figure out a way to connect a mixer into a computer to record or anything like that. Because we didn't have Zoom H6s at the time. I think a Zoom H4, by the t when you started in 2013, was probably about right. the pinnacle of what a hobbyist could attain to in a Tascam. For, for Tascam, yeah. And DR40, I believe it was. So they're worth some things, but it wasn't like the Tascam Mixcast 4, Roadcaster Pro 2, or Zoom P8 that we have today. So the USB connection was big. Here's the other thing, and it gets to a gripe I have with the industry, and it's that there were so many people that were promoting it because of affiliate links or kickbacks mm -hmm. that it became just a major talking point to those that were talking advice in the space at the time, because they were legitimately trying to make money, but they were promoting something that ultimately was making a poorer product. So yeah. my gripe is be careful who you're getting advice to from gear and services and like that, because they might just be trying to get you to click on that affiliate link. Right. Yeah. And it also, it looks really nice. So that was also a big driver, I'm sure. But it's a good microphone in the right environment. It's just the right environment is not your typical home podcaster. The right environment is a treated room somewhere, an right. audio treated room somewhere. Yeah. So, I mean, I've heard some great podcasts done with that mic. And when I find out what they're using, it surprises me. But they are people that have a, like, they're like in a closet or just somewhere that's really sound treated. So beyond the Electro Voice RE320, what other gear do you use to capture your podcast? I have an old Behringer Xenix X1204 mixer. It's not in the best shape, but it's what I got. And I have a DBX286S. Those are my main pieces of gear. And then I go in i have a headphone splitter just to kind of separate out my speakers from my headphones and a couple what are these oops i can never remember the model um the 
UCA 202s. Oh, yeah. They're um, USB, and then they have RCA inputs and outputs. They're essentially USB audio devices. And I use one to bring in my iPad using the, as you mentioned earlier, the camera connection kit from Apple. I have that bringing my iPad into my mixer so I can run a soundboard. And then we have a, a Zoom H6 that I've used at times for backups. We use it when we go on the road and, and do live recordings. And then my current computer is an M1 Mac Mini. Mm. And I have a Dell laptop that I use. Both are my work machines, but I get to use them for that. And I record in Audition. I edit in Audition and Premiere. And use Audio Hijack for my backups most of the time. And I usually remember to stop the recording at the end, but there have been times that it's been like four days later, I realized. <laughs> yeah, I've done that before too, but using the Zoom H6, it runs out of memory pretty quick with a Rodecaster yeah. Pro 2. It's got a huge 256 gigabyte card in there. It probably could right. go for four days before it shut down. And then you've got these big files. I like to keep my raw files, but in those cases, I'd cut them down because there's no way I'm keeping those. Yeah, for those recordings, definitely cut it down. So who do you guys use for a podcast media host? Do you self-host or do you use a company? We started out self-hosting and then I can't remember exactly what the episode number was, but we went with Libsyn and we're using them for hosting now. I didn't move over all of our files, so the earlier files are all still on our web host, which is DreamHost. And then, you know, we also put out stuff to YouTube and Facebook and, you know, all the normal places. You guys have a pretty intensive graphics, or at least you do new graphics for just about every show. What's your approach to that? Who does that? Is this a split venture? Do you, or do you do it? Or That's all me. I have some templates set up in Photoshop that we try to have. So I guess we didn't really describe the shows. We do two shows a week. One is based on the Transformer toys and one's based on all the, the media, the comics, the cartoons, the movies, all that stuff. So for the toy show, we, I try to have an image of something that we talked about on the show. And then we, we give it a, a, a title, like a funny title that kind of goes along with that. And I just, I have in my Photoshop library a file with this transparent background that I'll get the um, image set up, apply that, change the text, and it's done. It, it's, if I know what image I'm going to use, it's like a couple minute process. And then for the, our alt mode show, which is our media show, I'll use like the comic cover that we talk about or a screenshot from a show we're talking about or something like that. And same process. And I'm no graphics wizard, but it's something I dabble in. I enjoy messing with it. So I've come up with like different logos for our show that resemble the actual official transformer logos. You can see on my shirt, this is a logo that resembles like the early 2000s transformers logo that they did. Our current one, which is on my AirPod case nice. here, resembles our, it's not the current logo, but it's the one they just stopped using. Did you have those made up or is that like a decal that you threw on there? This is, um, 
I'll have to find the link and give it to you. It's like Pacify or something like that. It's a one-off. I just uploaded my graphics. Okay. And then on the background, we have our non-infringing bad guy logo. <laughs> it actually spells out bad guy, but looks like the Decepticon logo. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And talking about art, I mentioned it at the beginning of the show. Your face is on the cover of a comic book the transformers till all are one yeah the first issue of that we decided we would see what it would take to commission a cover we commissioned that artwork which is an homage to a 1980s transformer book and then we got to put our logo on the front and i don't know if we made our money back or not but it was fun it's something that I don't know if any other podcast that has done or at least had at that point. And, you know, you want to look for ways to make yourself stand out and like at conventions when we can sell a comic or at these days we give them away, you know, it's just, it's something neat and kind of gets your name out there. For the record, I did purchase it. So for the audio listener, I was actually holding up the comic book. I have the physical comic book. It's bagged and boarded and I did purchase it. So I have a CGC graded one. Oh, <laughs> nice. 9.8. Yeah. Where'd you go to get it graded? Oh, this was a CGC. Okay. So it's one of our co-hosts did that for all of us. Very nice. Nice. I'm just happy to have a copy. Is there any advice or tips or tricks that you would give to other genre of fan podcasts. I mean, we talked about star Wars. We talked about Marvel, which is a show I do. You do transformers. It could be any fandom. Really? Do you have any advice having done your show for nine years on what you tell people? I would, the most important thing I would say is try to stay out of the petty squabbles that any fandom has. Every fandom has the, whatever the infighting is between the fans and the people that they deem as like not fans enough. It's all kind of background noise to the casual fan. And I would say focus on the casual fan audience in terms of who you're trying to reach, even though you yourself are not a casual fan, you're like a more intense fan. The casual fan doesn't know about whatever the, the main like online fandom that's on Reddit or on the message boards or are arguing about. And I just try to stay above all that. And I think that's it, it's really helpful when when you want to promote your show, you're not burning any bridges on either side. You're just kind of staying out of it. And then also I would just recommend reach out to the people that are creating the media in your fandom on Twitter, on Facebook, wherever wherever you are and wherever they are shoot your shot ask for interviews i found that comic creators are a lot more approachable and easier to get but we have had some voice actors come on that we contacted on facebook and you know we just we asked politely you know explained who we were and you know a handful have been gracious enough to come on and i would also say reach out to the publicity or the media contacts for the various people or the various creators so we've had like not really transformers related but rob paulson put out a book a few years ago and i reached out to the um the publishing company 
and was able to get an interview with him. And he did do a voice or a couple of voices in the original Transformers cartoon. But as a fan of the Animaniacs, that's kind of, I was like, I'm going to shoot my shot. And I, I got in the interview, I think it was around 45 minutes. And it's just things like that, that just kind of re-energize you and you'll never get to do it if you don't ask. So I say, go for it. If they say no, you have lost nothing and you know, see where it takes you. That's two really good pieces of, of advice that you just gave. Yeah. One was don't get involved in any controversy. It's a little bit more difficult with some bigger fandoms than you might want to think, but at the same time, you don't want to poo poo what somebody thinks is like uh, their part of the fandom. I'll right. give you a little example. There are those of us out there, and I know it's hard to believe, that actually like Jar Jar from Star Wars, right? And so if you're listening to a podcast on Star Wars that are just continually ragging on Jar Jar, I mean, I get it. I right. A lot of the fandom does. But I'm like, eh, I actually like it. So, like, right. you're invalidating I my mean, opinion. So it's, it is... That's an extreme example, by the way, because right. Jar Jar is almost universally hated. I get it. But well, I mean, as someone with an, an eight-year-old kid now, I have to appreciate Jar Jar for reaching the audience that he was intended for. And that's a lot of the Star Wars stuff now anyway. Yeah. I mean, as you get older, and I am our AARP age, <laughs> Star Wars is not meant for me anymore. So I have yeah. to remember that when I'm watching it. That said, the current crop of Star Wars creators does a pretty good job at it. And as podcasters, that would be up to us to make sure that we're critical, but within reason, like we're not demeaning anybody's enjoyment of the property. Yeah. And also you'd be surprised at how many creators listen to the shows too. So when you are criticizing, don't just constantly bash, like personally, I try to find something good to say about everything. Even if I'm overall unhappy with whatever I'm reviewing, I want to at least have good things to say like the Transformers series that just ended I wasn't a huge fan of the pacing of it but I thought there were a lot of really good ideas the art on the whole was really great I always try to have a balance in my review where the audience knows my overall opinion but I'm not bashing the creators because they didn't set out put out a bad product and someone out there has to like it. There are people that like the Michael Bay movies. I'm just not one of them. Yeah. So we also, we don't talk about the Michael Bay movies a lot anymore. We just figure we've said our piece. There's another live action movie coming out next year and we'll get our shot again to, to hope that it's a good one. I'm no longer a DC podcaster, a podcaster on the DC comics side of things. There's two important things about that. First of all, one of the creators did contact us back and forth. We were so grateful we didn't bash the creators too hard on the show. We were critical, but we didn't bash them too hard. So we did get some behind-the-scenes communication back and forth, which was really neat. And then, so the other thing was Suicide Squad, the original Suicide, not the second one, but the first one with Will Smith. I just had an issue with the film, <laughs> and I went on and on and on about it. And then finally, I was like, you know what? Some people actually enjoy this, and I have just been bashing it, so I gotta back it up and not bash it anymore. You'll alienate people that might otherwise want to listen to you. Right. 
And I, I probably did alienate a few people, but I've learned, <laughs> okay, not to do that. So that's great advice between those two things. Is there anything else that you'd, uh, aside from hitting your own microphone, <laughs> is there anything else? I just think that's probably the main thing is just the, in the, the criticism and stuff. You never know who's listening. Like we actually had a creator retweet our show on Twitter. I think yesterday or today from, he did some cover art that we talked about last week. And he was like, you know, these guys talked about my art. They said some really nice things and he just unsolicited. He retweeted our show. You never know who's listening and you can criticize something without bashing. Most creators, they have thick enough skin where if you don't like something and you say it in a, a respectful way, they're fine with it. If you just say this sucks, it was horrible and just keep bashing it with no, nothing behind that then you you've pretty much burnt a bridge with that creator indeed and some creators have thinner skin than others so yeah you just never know where that line is yeah i mean i had a creator get upset with me because i said a character that he drew that the character's name was firestar and she had flaming hair and i thought she resembled firestorm so i commented on that and apparently i was on his bad list for a little while because of that comment i'm like i'm a dc guy i i see a character with flaming hair that's red and orange and stuff i think fire sword <laughs> i mean yeah it's in the comparisons are inevitable yeah so moving on to the industry as a whole since you've been around for nine years and you paid attention to the industry i know you're in a lot of the same groups i am that talk about podcasting you have any industry gripes anything that you wish the industry would do better for hobby podcasters I think that more of like the new entrants are always trying to go after the big fish and it's just pushing those of us that are hobby podcasters more and more to the edge. I'm not saying we should be catered to, but when was the last time you saw like in the Apple podcast store, uh, truly independent podcasters being promoted? It's just, I, I feel like it's become a lot more the mainstream media has kind of taken over, which I feel like it's inevitable, but it also is just frustrating. Take some of the specialness out of what made podcasting podcasting. Right. But on the flip side, you also do have companies that do see the value of the fan media I mean, beyond just podcasts, even like YouTube and stuff. And like, that's something that Hasbro has really started doing over the last couple of years since conventions haven't been happening, like they used to bring fan media to like New York comic con to show off the latest transformers. And they've been doing just the design team behind transformers has been doing these zoom calls with fan media. And that's been great. To, we all get to ask one or two questions and just hang out with the designers of the toys. And they don't have to do that. They want to do that. And, that's something that I also wouldn't have seen, you know, when I started that they would do something like that. so a little bit of bad and a little bit of good. Is there anything else you want to speak up on? I don't know. I mean, I, I think we are getting a lot of really good tools now. I, I wish they were a little bit cheaper, but things like the roadcaster pro that you've been talking about the, 
ability for someone just starting out to spend a little bit of money and just sound like a professional radio producer is amazing. When I started out with just a a crappy USB headset and... (laughs) I mean, you got the Samsung Q2U, you've got the PodTrack P4, which can be paired up with the zoom microphone zdm1 microphone or the pod mic microphone or anything else sure has the mv7 and mv7x if you want to do that via usb and get a truly i would say studio sound i mean it's all fabricated in the audio card in the microphone but you can do that for a couple hundred bucks and get going versus with what i just got rid of was well over a thousand dollars worth of stuff and you said the the tools are very expensive the roadcaster pro 2 is seven hundred dollars but but you get it and you don't have to get everything else that i had you don't need a dbx 286s or four of them you don't need a separate audio interface or a mixer to do a mix minus you don't need a separate recorder like i have the zoom h6 great thing by the way zoom h6 great thing even today it's just you don't need it by going with something like that. So it really depends on your use case. If it's just going to be you, the pod track before, if it's you doing a show with other people, maybe in person, might want to go with one of the mixer recorders, as long as it's four people or less. And then after that, you start to get more expensive, but yeah, I, I would echo that. And it's what we've been saying in better podcasting for years is the tools now are just amazing. Yeah. It's so much easier for someone just to start out and, it's easier for them to even get the files hosted and out there. So many of the services now just like you upload to Libsyn and you can add yourself to how many services just by, you know, clicking. Pinecast is the same way since I just did it with this show. Yeah. Yeah. So it's easier to get started, but there's also a lot more kind of, there's a lot more bad advice and a lot more just kind of just not targeting the hobby podcast. All right, what are some of the favorite moments or at least one favorite moment from your show, the Transmissions podcast? That's really tough because they're, I mean, nine years, uh, 495 plus episodes. I would say probably, oh, it's really hard. doesn't have to be the top one. Just give it, me It's something. not. Okay, so we have a recurring guest on that. He's a, a colorist in the comics he lives in the uk so we don't get to have him on as much as we want because the time difference but he's hilarious and whenever he's on it's basically just non-stop laughing a great guy and he does impressions of gandalf and orson wells as unicron and stuff and but it's just his timing is great he clicks with all of us it's just a blast. So anytime a John Paul Bove is on, it's just, it's a a party and I don't know if most of the listeners like it or not, but we have fun. Sometimes that's all that you need is you need to have fun. Yeah. One day we're going to be at the same convention, whether he's over here or we go over to the UK, but it's tough both ways, but hopefully one day we'll see him at the convention. As we record this show, you have, 494 episodes out of the transmissions podcast you're closing in on 500 yeah that's an amazing accomplishment bring our listener through 
what you are thinking about in terms of planning to get to that 500. All right. And it's 300 of the alt mode show. Is that episode 200? We split it out. So we feel like the show's working on the whole. It, we don't have a lot of complaints. We aren't getting any complaints from listeners, but we have pretty much been using the exact same structure since the first episode. We do welcome intro. We thank the supporters. Then we go on to talk about news and we've each picked one or two news items to talk about. And then we just go, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think on each topic? And that's getting kind of old. And then we go into a segment we call trips to the store where we, we do that as a video segment as well. And we show off the stuff we've gotten recently. And then we come back and we talk about like convention news and then we do feedback and that's so roughly that structure has been working. We've been talking, we want to go to all video in the production, you know, still putting out the audio podcast, but I feel like at the very least being able to see each other as we record will give us more. It'll help us more with like visual cues and stuff, but I take a lot of my ideas from Tom Merritt's Daily Tech News Show and just try to see if I can get it to work. And sometimes the other guys are okay with it, and sometimes they aren't. I tried to copy their show notes format, in which they use Google Sheets, and we use Google Doc. They did not get on board with using a spreadsheet as our show notes. So I don't think I could do that on my show either, by the way. Yeah. I don't know. I, I thought it was worth a try. But they do a quick hit segment at the top of the show where they just run through some news stories. There's no discussion on it. And the hosts just go back and forth. And I presented that as something we should try. And the other guys were all on board with that. We have a long list of topics. We know we don't get to get to. So we're going to try doing that. Having, we don't really have exactly how we're going to do it yet, but I would think at least two of us kind of just back and forth introducing these topics just kind of saying hey this is out this is out and then that'll kind of get through some of our backlog doing five or ten of those a week and then the the main show topics make them more of a conversation instead of just introducing the topic talking about it and then just kind of going host a what do you think host b what do you think so having video i think that a lot that'll let people jump in at appropriate points without being called on. We'll, we'll still pick a topic, but it might be where like Daryl starts off saying, you know, talking about a, a toy or whatever. And then he will naturally just kind of come to a stopping point where there'll be some silence. I might jump in, add some commentary. Someone else will jump in, add some commentary. And then we're going to try and naturally just flow into the next topic. But also going along with that, there are numerous topics where I don't feel like I have anything to contribute, but I feel like I have to contribute. So I'm just kind of figuring out something to say just to fill up space. And I think we shouldn't feel like we have to do that. So if we have almost every show, we have four hosts. So I just want it to be known. Uh, we don't. We shouldn't feel like we have to say something about every single topic. Maybe make a note in the doc 
like if there's something I'm like completely not interested in, just make a note so the person reading it will know that I'm not. I'm just not going to say anything during that topic. And I think that will make that part of the show flow a lot better, and we'll be able to get a lot more content out in the same amount of time. Little known fact: Stephen, Chris, and I have done that on the Guinea Geek Show, where we say I'm not going to have anything to say about this news item, so don't go to me because I just I don't have anything to say. Sometimes that reverses during the show, but at least we go in with the expectations that it's not that way. Over on Legends of Shield, if it doesn't look like any, I, I will cut to a group shot, and this is getting back to your video elements, and you can find those visual cues of whether somebody wants to talk or not and then you just move on to the next thing and that has helped out quite a bit on both those shows now you mentioned tom Merritt and dtns yeah. and if tom happens to see this i want to say a few things first of all if you do try to emulate tom you're going to become the king of the segue you guys you four guys are going great at doing segues because that's what's needed for that type of show right. we do it on legends of shield we do it on the Guinea Geek Show, and to a minor effect, Stephen and I try to do it on Better Podcasting, the main show as well. And the other thing that I want to make sure Tom sees, so Amos, if you happen to be watching this, mark this time code down, make sure Tom sees this. You're going to have to pull the merit. And do you know what the merit is? I should know. Oh, oh, where like, I just need to talk about this comic that you have, right? Yeah, that's right within arm's reach. So what he does, and he's admitted this, so this is the merit move, where he knows what's around his personal space within arm's reach. He'll work it into a conversation, and he'll take it off the shelf or off his desk or whatever and say, yeah, we are just talking about this comic and have the comic ready. Yes, that's, that is the merit. But he's admitted that he only does that when he knows it's within arm's reach. So you have to have stuff that you know. And then he changes the stuff out every once in a while so that he can talk about new stuff. It also goes towards the planning of the show. You know, a, a well-planned show, you know what's coming up. You're, you're thinking about it ahead of time. I will say that the DTNS format does not work for every thing. Yeah, it's a certain type of show. It's a daily news show. So they are doing a lot of tech news and there's a lot of it. So he's able to do those quick hits. Not everything is like that. Like space. I will give you an example on the Guinea Geek show with space news. There was time, not recently, but there was times a couple of years ago where I had to stretch to find a item of space news to talk about on that show. Nowadays, there's whole podcasts that now are, you have to figure out what you're going to leave out. Right. So it's, it's completely different. And I have explored doing a space podcast, but we're just leaving that on the table for now. But yeah, it's definitely a certain type of podcast. It doesn't work for everything. Like if you're doing a movie review show on a particular topic, maybe that works for all of movie news or whatever. But I don't know. It, it, it just uh, in the fandom genre, it's a hit or miss on whether that'll work. I think it'll work for you on the transmissions because there is news to talk about. Well, and doing it once a week helps we're not breaking any news we're just talking about whatever happened in the last couple of weeks another thing that we want to do is i suggested having a set time for each segment so if we don't get to every topic we have planned and it's getting close to like like for the news dedicate 35 minutes to it we're getting close to that 35 minute and we still have a topic left to go we're just going to leave it for a future week 
and try to be more consistent about the actual timing of the show. We started to do that on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. I don't want to make this all about me. I'm just, I'm, I'm agreeing with you, yeah. right? Where we do it differently. We started doing the news at the beginning of the show, but we realized everybody was coming to the show for the main topic, especially since it was current media. Mm -hmm. So Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was the show that we were covering at the time, and everybody wanted to hear about what was going on in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So we talked about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. at the start. We switched that around. I forget which episode that was that we switched it around. And we talked about news at the end. That kind of helped us measure how long the conversation needed to be for the main topic. But there were weeks that went by that behind the scenes. I was like, nope, we are cutting. We have gone an hour and a half talking about this 45-minute episode. We are not going to do news this week. We'll talk about it next week. And yeah, that was, that was fine with everybody. It's a little easier with the news on the tail end. Right. And we do that already now with some things like if we're getting really long, we try to have our shows be roughly an hour, but the toy show always goes long. So if we're getting done with trips to the store, we might just cut out convention news or feedback and push that to the next week because it's time. We're just trying to be more consistent about some of the earlier segments. I don't know, just try to be more, more respectful of the time that we have allotted. And then on our alt mode show about the media, the current publisher of the Transformer comics is IDW Publishing, and they are losing the license at the end of the year. So there's like uncertainty going forward after probably November, unless like as this weekend of San Diego Comic-Con. So maybe they announce something this weekend. I, I don't know. That would be my luck that we plan for this and then new publishers announced. But we're planning for a long drought of no new comics to review. And I was thinking there's not a lot of comic news, but there's going to be some cartoons starting up in the fall. We'll have media news. Maybe we just make alt mode just the news and have a short 15 to 20 minute podcast. And then we break out the reviews as standalone episodes when there is something to review. And that might be something we at least try. I don't know how it'll go, but the other guys are on board with trying that. So a lot of what you've been talking so far are format changes for your 500th. Is there anything special, any planning, special planning leading up to the 500th episode? Well, leading up to it, or actually on the 500th? Yeah, on the 500th, we're going to try to do some special stuff. Okay. I'm not sure entirely what we're going to do. I've just been focused on, I want to do something after, uh, like make these small tweaks to make the show better. We do have new theme music that we have commissioned from a friend of mine, and we might debut that with the episode 500. One thing with going with video Every video we put out, we get copyright claim for using the Transformers theme song. Have you successfully fought that at all? Some of them. It depends on which version of the theme song we use. If we use the version that Black Lab recorded, that one never gets any resolution. But some of the other ones we have. But we don't have enough, enough subscribers to monetize, so it, it doesn't really matter. But I've gotten sick of that, and Mike, our co-host and former editor, sometimes editor, he's also been on us for a while to get rid of the copyrighted music, and so I have a friend that does music production and commissioned him. He's also a big Transformers fan, 
and it's like synthy and it kind of resembles the transformers theme at the beginning with like some some drum beats and stuff but then it's its own thing so we think that'll be a good a good change to make and i'm looking forward to seeing what kind of feedback we get I need to have somebody on the show to talk about successfully fighting copyright strikes on YouTube. I, I've got a couple of ideas, by the way. I haven't had any strikes, but these are just claims where they, they get to monetize. Right. So I have a couple of people in mind to have on the show to do that, but I know it's a big deal. And people like are like, yeah, just play this and it'll be fine. No, no, on YouTube it wasn't. We did such a short, I can't remember the exact sound but we did such a short clip on legends of shield a little while ago and we did it in the live show and i intentionally did it on the live show in a way that i could cut it out of the live show if necessary and yeah immediately there was a claim it doesn't take more than like a couple seconds now i was prepared to fight it with fair use and i think legitimately i could do fair use with it for that particular application because it was a transformative work right but i just didn't want to mess around with it and i changed it in post to something else anyway yeah we'll see what happens when the the new movie comes out and we get trailers because we didn't do it for bumblebee because of this but the movie before bumblebee we did one of those like live reactions to the the trailer and that got that got taken like copyright claimed immediately you were actually watching the trailer yeah that is, I would argue that one because the trailer is out there as promotional material. Right. And we are adding our commentary. So I'm going to have to figure out how we're going to do that because so many channels now, that's just all they do. And, you know, maybe it'll be different this time, but that is something I'm looking forward to trying and seeing what happens. All right. Sounds like you got a lot of good things in store for transmissions. Yeah, and then we also have a couple other smaller things where um, uh, one of our co-hosts, Daryl, has unfortunately had a lot of free time added to his life, and he's just been doing some interviews with uh, particularly people out in the UK because of the time difference. Since he has all this time in the middle of the day now, he can record when it's convenient for them. So he's been doing all of these one-on-one interviews and we've been slowly slowly putting some of them out just kind of as bonus content and we're gonna try to keep doing that and then he's also going to do another show with one of our guest hosts talking just on a single figure for like 15 to 30 minutes that's kind of an evergreen type of show so we're keeping the main shows but we're trying to expand out in different areas just to kind of see what works and keep our interest up. The isolating videos do great. Like we started covering X-Men, the animated series from 1992 on legends of shield. And I started to doing in-depth character and creative team reviews as part of our actual podcast. And it's part of the podcast, but I could easily snip those out and it could become a product on its own. And it would be, totally evergreen and if somebody was interested in that and not interested in the rest of the legends of shield show they could see that i haven't done it yet but i could totally see that as being there's a lot of work put into it it's a produced segment 
and it's worth its weight on its own. I like it as part of the show personally. And that's the great thing about being independent hobby passion podcasters is we can do whatever the heck we want. Right. Yeah. And you know, if people don't respond to it, then we could just drop it. It's not like we have money invested in it, but I I feel like uh, particularly the interview thing, we get a lot of value from that. We did a recent one. Daryl talked with a, a psychologist on why people collect. So the, I mean, they were talking about transformers, but the topic goes beyond, it goes to anything. Right. And that was just really interesting on its own. And I just, I like that we, we aren't locked in to our rigid format so much where we can't explore other aspects and just kind of see what works. So I got a question for you, Jeremy. What has been your favorite better podcasting chats with EPSP episode so far? It hasn't come out yet. This one. Ah. <laughs> I like this one too. Yeah. I like the format. I like that you're getting some better podcasting content out there. Yeah. As I say at the beginning of the show, this is interim content until the better podcasting main show comes back. Cause Steven and I have decided to bring it back. It's just a question of when and what it's going to look like, because we'll probably like you were just talking about changing formats. We'll probably change format up a little bit, but it depends on, what we want to do. And we haven't had that conversation yet. We both have some ideas, but we haven't had the conversation yet. And that's the, the hard thing. I mean, we, we meant since we were all at DFCon last weekend, we, we meant to sit down at some point and talk about all this stuff. And we just never got a chance. We were all having fun doing other stuff, being just being around each other. So we talked about it before we recorded last night, but I think life is just, Particularly, I think Stephen has uh, small children like I do, and that just complicates things in terms of timing. It does. So, it, you know, hopefully he gets the time and can, you know, y'all can come back but bigger and better podcasting than ever. You know, the old thing that was said that babies kill podcasts? Yeah. It's not babies that no. kill the podcast. It's not even toddlers that kill podcasts. It's when they start getting to be elementary school age, that, right? That you and start to be involved in a lot of activities and stuff like that that can kill podcasts just because of available time. Yeah, or when they start staying up late, because babies will sleep all the time. You know that's fine, but especially summer break, my kid is blowing through his seven thirty bedtime. Oh yeah, cherish those moments, kid. Yeah, because school's coming soon. The other thing you said you meant to get together at a convention, in my experience, this is just the audience for better podcasting Mm -hmm. here. Uh, In my experience, unless you've said beforehand, you've stated a time and a place and an agenda before you even get there, that we're all going to get together at this place at this time. We're going to talk about this. If you haven't done that, it's just not going to happen because you're going to get caught in the rush of the moment the flow of events just right. catching up with each other as you were saying having fun and it's one of the main reasons when i went to podcast movement last year that i intentionally didn't bring any recording equipment i intentionally did not go with any agenda i went with the flow for uh, quite a bit i was experiencing try to experience different things to get from my own standpoint of being a hobby podcaster what is this conference going to bring for me 
And I was able to bring some of that back for the Better Podcasting audience because we did a show on that, but actually two shows on that, Better Podcasting Live and then a Better Podcasting main show. But the point there is, yes, you can, since you're all getting together at a location, you can do that, but it has to be planned out. Right. Although uh, one more thing about conventions that I never really expected, but I should have, but meeting listeners has been really cool. We just like over the years have met so many listeners that tell us how much they enjoy the show. And I'm in my mind, I'm still doing it with an audience of like one or two people. And it's just actually finding out people listen to and enjoy your content is just, it's a weird feeling, but it's rewarding. And we had during our, panel we did this last weekend we had a 14 year old kind of ask a question and say that he loves our show and has been listening to us for a long time we're like you're 14 we've been doing the show for nine years i actually heard that question that was really neat how you guys handled it yeah i'm thinking we have the explicit tag because some of our people just have no filter with with their language so hopefully he wasn't listening on speakers (laughs) so anyway yeah that it's just, it's fun. I mean, we've had times where, like, our co-host Charles is talking, and he has the most distinctive voice, and someone turns around and is like, Charles? And it's just, it's a lot of fun. Anyway, you've done quite a bit. Congratulations on the network. Congratulations on the podcast being so prevalent over the past nine years. Congratulations on your appearance on America's next top podcast we didn't get to talk a lot about that is there anything in specific you want to say i learned a lot even though i was probably one of the i think the fourth or fifth person out like eliminated i didn't get very far but it was a lot a big learning experience and uh, made a lot of good friends through that so i would encourage if you're interested in learning the craft it's a crash course and you get great people leading you along the way. Before mentioned Tom Merritt is one of the people involved that helps and just uh, go to America's next pop podcaster.com for more information. I'm not sure they just finished up a season, so I'm not sure when the next one is going to start, but listen to the past seasons and you'll still, you'll learn stuff without even being on it. All right. Well, Jeremy, thank you very much for coming on. Have a chat with me. I really enjoyed talking with you. We don't get to do this nearly enough, but where can the audience go ahead and find you if they want to uh, tag you and congratulate you and thank you for coming on the show? Uh, the best place is Twitter. It's yakko.org, yakk 0 dotorg And then my podcast is just transmissionspodcast.com. And find everything there and from there we have links out to everything else all right well thank you again for coming on the show and hopefully we can have you on again after you reach that big 500 thanks for inviting me this has been fun you bet and thank you for being with jeremy and me this time if you like content like this please go ahead and subscribe to this youtube channel please like the video and if you're listening to this after the fact on the podcast feed go ahead and Follow this on whatever podcatcher app that you use. 
Stephen and I would greatly appreciate it. Now, next week, I plan to stream and chat with a co-host of mine who is a wizard at asking for guest appearances and interviews. It's Chris Osborne from the Plague Comics podcast, and he really wants to talk about guest scheduling. So don't miss it. Tuesday night, July 26th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, streamed on the Better Podcasting YouTube channel, youtube.com slash betterpodcasting. In the meantime, join the podcasting conversation on our Discord server, betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. We'll see you next time. Bye.